Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for listening and watching our program here today. Uh, we are now uh, going to be talking to Peter Breen. He is the vice president of something at uh, executive vice president at Thomas More Society. It is a uh, legal uh, organization that does a lot of good work fighting for religious liberty, uh, life, etc. And uh, we are glad to be talking to him about a victory uh, that he has experienced recently in federal appellate court regarding uh, what was Senate Bill 1909. And uh, here we are having uh, Peter, can you hear me? I've got you, Bob. Yeah, Great. Glad to be on. Uh, glad to have you back again. You're going to be a regular. We're going to have to start paying you a stipend. <laughs> Man, I, well, I got to tell you, it, it's always great when we can talk about a problem, yeah, uh, discuss it, and then come back in a couple of weeks and talk about a big victory. So this was, I mean, this was a huge, huge win for people of faith, for free speech, uh, and just you know the cause of life here in Illinois. It was a team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our activists on the ground, great. The churches yep. identified it. The legislators went after it hard. And then we, as the lawyers, were able to put together the whole picture for the court to show how this bill was unconstitutional. I, I'm kind of, you know, uh, reading the the case and the decision, uh, and and the media coverage of it is interesting too. Um, Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you were there. Uh, take us into the courtroom if you can. I mean, you know, I think we talked about the Deceptive Practices Act, uh, you know, a $50,000 fine for uh, an employee at a crisis pregnancy center, or I think as you identified, perhaps a sidewalk counselor, uh, if they uh, omit a material fact with regard to abortion, uh, all these terms, I hope their listeners are saying, what is a material fact? What is omission of a material fact? What is a deceptive practice? Tell us a little bit about, um, it, that was the bill, and it passed overwhelmingly, and the governor signed it. Um, tell us a little bit about the court. Uh, what, what happened? Uh, tell us, like, who, who, I know you brought in some experts to, te- uh, to buoy your arguments, and bring us into the courtroom. How, how did it, how was, what was it like? Sure, and you've got to go back to the day it was signed. So you're talking mm-hmm. Thursday, July 27th, uh, I believe. Governor signs it at noon. We file our lawsuit at 1 p.m., yeah. uh, serve it on the attorney general. He does a press conference at 2. And after that, he had a first question, I think, that was probably pre-planned. And then everything after that was, tell us about this lawsuit, attorney <laughs> general. What are you going to do about the lawsuit? And so it was good. Uh, in that we were coordinated and ready to go. We got a great leap kind of uh, on the media side of things, so really got the leg up there so that the media was at least having to tell our story to some extent in their coverage of this uh, this new law. You know, the law is allegedly uh, going after deceptive practices by pro-life pregnancy help ministries, whether they are uh, sidewalk counselors that are dedicated to pregnancy counseling on the sidewalk, or pregnancy health ministries, uh, you know, pregnancy centers. And as, as we moved through the week, you know, uh, we got, you know, the, the, the attorney general didn't file an appearance at first, but the next, you know, that we got from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the, the judge on Tuesday issues an order saying, okay, I'm putting a hearing together on your preliminary injunction. So we kind of skipped over the temporary restraining order. We asked for both. Said, I'm putting a hearing together on Thursday. You know, government finally appears. Uh, and then on Wednesday evening, this is the night before we're going to be out there on Thursday, the judge issues about three pages of questions he's got about the law, about the lawsuit, about you know, the application of things. 
about what the governor's uh, representatives said in the committee hearings and the sponsors said on the floor of the House and Senate. And he said in his order, uh, if I, I've got mixed questions of fact and law and I've got questions of fact, I'd like a fact witness to come in and give sworn oh, testimony. Okay. And, and Yeah, so we found that out Wednesday late afternoon. So I'm on the horn to all of our clients going, hey, guys, we need you to come in and testify if you're able. And uh, so Ann O'Connor, who's the, the vice president mm-hmm. of NIFLA, who is an attorney, she flew in you know, first flight uh, the next morning in from New Jersey. Uh, we had folks from our local pregnancy center, our sidewalk counseling organizations. So we come to Rockford. Uh, you know, we, we get our witnesses prepped maybe about an hour beforehand. You know, normally, Bob, I, I'm telling you, if I'm, if I'm going into a, a, an evidentiary hearing in federal court on a big issue like this, I mean, I'm going to want witness outlines and this, that, and the other. I mean, it was, it was enough. I had to pick up Ann on the way to driving out to Rockford. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty fast and loose. Uh, but then we got going at about one uh, thirty on Thursday afternoon. We went for probably five hours of live testimony, everybody going through their stories, talking about what this new law is going to do. It's chilling their free speech, chilling their pregnancy help activities, because you're afraid, as, as you pointed out. What's the material fact when you're talking about what a woman might want to know mm-hmm. in relation to an abortion decision? Right. Right. You know, what, what is, quote, misinformation when that misinformation appears to be under the definition set forth by Planned Parenthood, right. adopted and implemented by the attorney general? So all of that together was put to the judge. We then had our argument, legal argument after that. And it's starting to get, you know, it's five, five thirty, six o'clock. And uh, by the end of it, you know, the, the judge really uh, he understood the arguments. He went, you know, and. and you know, to ask questions of both sides. And when when all of it ended, uh, you know, the, the court, you know, he, he, he issued a ruling from the bench Thursday night, said preliminary injunction granted. Uh, I believe the news had quoted him as saying it was painfully yes. uh, unconstitutional. Right. And yes. uh, and even even during the questioning, you know, the, the, the judge himself had been in the attorney general's office 25 years ago. Uh, and so he had a familiarity just himself sure. with how these things are supposed to work, how the processes work, how the investigative process works. So he was able to bring that to bear in terms of asking his questions of the attorney general staff and all that. And we got, you know, and then he issued his written order the next day, uh, you know, really strongly noting this is content discrimination under the First Amendment and it's viewpoint discrimination under the First Amendment. And maybe we should explain those, but I want to I want to give you a chance just to catch my breath. Yeah, no, you, you, you have a lot there. A couple quick questions. Um, well, first of all, I would say regardless of how the decision turned out, I will give the judge credit for wanting to know how this impacts real people. I, you know, that, that, is, that is to his credit uh, when they had questions of fact and law to say, okay, well, you know, how does this impact uh, somebody who's actually doing this? That, that's, that's a good. The, other, the other thing is that, that I didn't even think about this, but he, you're right. He just signed that bill on the 27th of July, and it's not even a month later, and this thing has been put to bed for you know, a week or two. So that's an incredibly quick time frame. Um, w- one quick question about a preliminary injunction. What is exactly does that mean? So the, the, the judge has a preliminary injunction. So w- right now, life is good for pregnancy centers, correct? Nothing is materially changed for their operations. Is that correct? Right. So, so the way in, in law, when you hear these terms, temporary restraining order, that's a quick order at the beginning of the case, usually for a week or two. 
preliminary injunction is the one you hear the most about because that one means injunction all the way through until the end of the case. And in most jurisdictions, federal jurisdiction, you can take that on appeal. So you can actually go up to your appellate court with that decision, the preliminary injunction. And then final injunction, a permanent injunction, is what you're looking for at the end of the case, which would then go forever. So it's a big, big deal to get a preliminary injunction. The standard is it's nearly identical to getting an injunction at the end of a case. Uh, you know, little little differences. But you really, you really have to put on your case in a, a mini trial, essentially, which is what we did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the judge is really, he makes a legal decision. So... Having made the decision he made, I mean, he, he found that this law was very unconstitutional. Yes. It was very likely, you know, significantly unconstitutional, just in, in a variety, in a you know, couple of ways. So that's, that's what he did. But he, he did need to get the live testimony because the other side, the state, was saying, well, you don't get uh, pre-enforcement standing. In other words, they were arguing, you've got to wait for the attorney general to come after you. Right. Before yes. you, you have get to be hard. Court. Somebody's got to be a hard. And, right. I mean, I mean, think about this. You know, and, and Bob, when we were talking about this bill mm-hmm. before it passed, the, the whole point of this was that they we know the other side was trying to chill and frighten. So what chills and frightens more than sitting there waiting for the heavy hand of government mm-hmm. to come down on your head, right. on your small nonprofit, right. and tell you, no, 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 that was misinformation. That one, uh, this is you know a, an omission of material fact, and and you know. You know, the way the, you know, these, these government officials are, if they're really, you know, they can be nasty. Oh, and they in can this go case, for it. They, Absolutely. You know, this is what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, Ab- they'll pick the, the least well-resourced, uh, and, you know, entity, and they'll tar everybody else with, you know, what's what's happening in, in one spot. Well, we kept saying during this thing is like, you know, I, I know the speed limit is 55, and I know if I go 56, I could get a speeding ticket. Like, what, under this bill, <laughs> how do I know if I'm violating it? Yeah, I, it, There was no rules right. of the road whatsoever. It was very, very yeah. open-ended there. I, I mean, it truly, it truly was. It, it's It's... Drive a reasonable rate of speed, except uh, reasonable is going to be determined by one man, Kwame Raoul, and he's being advised by people who are your political opponents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so good luck. You know, <laughs> yeah. Kind of hope that, you know, yeah, maybe glad... they won't pull you over. Maybe they will. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, we're kind of making light of it by talking about driving, but this is in, in an area that involves your most fundamental freedoms, mm-hmm. right. freedom of speech. And not just that, freedom of speech on an issue of life and death. So it's really, I mean, the stakes are as high as possible in the abortion context, you know, most contentious social issue of our country, of our time. And so, you know, it's supposed to get the maximum protection. And yet the state of Illinois was going to give it the minimum protection and make you scared to say anything pro-life. Uh, you know, in this way. So that was what we, we were so glad the judge, uh, you know, issued the decision he did. And, and you know, it was content-based discrimination yeah, and viewpoint. Viewpoint that... is an easy one to see. They, they just applied the law against the pregnancy centers and the pregnancy health ministries and actually excluded anybody that would refer for abortion. So any of the abortion clinics, right. any of the abortion supporting organizations, everybody else was excluded. So it's just our folks. That's viewpoint discrimination. In other words, you're putting your finger on the scale. Content, though, was, is, is as important or more, and that's a First Amendment principle that says, look, government, when you decide to wade into an area of uh, speech restriction on a topic, that we are going to look askance at. Where you say, well, this topic, generally, we're going to start regulating, 
when you look at an issue of significant public concern like abortion, the government really doesn't have a right to come in and tell our side, the pro-life side, or really even the abortion side, what is true or false, what have you. And so those are two bookend uh, principles under the First Amendment free speech right that the court applied and, and in our favor. So that's, uh, you know, from, from where I sit, that's significant, I would think, in terms of the judge's uh uh, statement. Now, uh, you know, there's more than the appellate court. There's the, I'm sorry, there's more than federal court. There's appellate court. There's other things. So are you anticipating an appeal even with that strong of a ruling? I I wonder too, because there are other jurisdictions that are, that have these types of laws that are being litigated as well. So this is not only in Illinois, but these laws are passing in some other states. I don't know how they're faring in, in the courts, but I'm wondering, do you anticipate an appeal? Well, at this point, so they are still within their 30 days to appeal. And, you know, at first we thought, boy, we didn't think they were going to appeal. But the next morning after a Thursday night decision, Friday morning, Governor Pritzker went on CNN and talked about this ruling, said the law is constitutional and, uh, you know, that they would defend it. So I don't know what exactly, you know, it's, it's tough to say what, what is the negotiation between the AG's office, the governor, the political calculations, because it's a political decision. But, uh, you know, we are proceeding apace in the trial court. So we'll see. You know, we're, we're, we're really looking at it right now. And, and in the other states that have tried this, so, so there's, a, there's a bill or a law now in the state of Colorado and another one in Vermont. Mm-hmm. They, I, I will say, they added parts of the Illinois law, but they didn't go anywhere near as far okay. as the Illinois General Assembly had gone. So this was the most speech-restrictive, the most offensive to our fundamental freedoms uh, of any law like it in the country. So it was extremely important. You know, we, it, it was great that we got this one to decision first, and we got such a strong, strong rebuke right. of right. this sort of a regulation. Because, I mean, look, if we had gotten a tepid response or we mm-hmm. were unable to be successful— it, it wasn't just going to hurt us here in Illinois. It was going to hurt us across the country. If, they, if there is an appeal and they lose on appeal, that, that's kind of damaging to the whole cause, though, isn't it? You, know, that, yeah. you wouldn't if, want if that. If we can beat them at the Seventh Circuit, yeah, I mean, that's even better. Yeah. So we're, we're really in, in – uh, you're in much better shape even then. Because, yeah, federal, you know, federal appellate decisions apply only in the circuit where you're in, but they are very persuasive. Uh, they're more persuasive than district court decisions. So – Right. I mean, if they press hard, uh, we could we could give them even more of a black eye than we've given them right now. Um, that's going to you know, be not, we're, we're glad to do it. But, uh, you know, that's that's their call. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting, like you said, calculation on what they determine, what they want to do. I, I, I'm sure, you know, in the heat of the moment, the governor was automatically uh, thinking that, you know, an appeal was imminent. But maybe upon further review, they'll have uh, they'll, they'll, they'll think about that twice. It'll be interesting. So they have 30 days to appeal it after 30 days. They cannot. Right, so okay. thirty days to appeal well, no. a preliminary injunction. Oh, okay. You know, and and if they, you know, if we continue, I, I mean, look, if if they take <laughs> what the, the judge from the bench, and I and I, I don't have the transcript right in front of me, but I do. I mean, the judge said, "Why did no one? Why has no one said to the powers that be in the attorney general's office, boss, this is illegal? You know, why? Why isn't? Why is? Why did no one put a stop to this?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. it was one of those sorts of things. I think, you know, the judge looked at the law as, as being just so 
clearly unconstitutional that any attorney worth their salt would have seen it and done something. That was obvious. Uh, and so if they take the judge's uh, admonitions to heart, I mean, frankly, we, you know, I would hope they'd want to settle the case and move on and you know, go to the next thing. But, you know, I mean, that would be the, that would be the sensible thing to do. But because of the politics, maybe they've got to keep fighting it. Uh, I, I will say this, though. We, as a people of faith, people of life, we ought to be very uh, heartened to say and to see um, that we can strike back, uh, yep. that we can mm-hmm. be effective. And, yes. and we are going to have to be effective on our sidewalks and in our pregnancy centers even more than ever before, because the abortion rate in Illinois has, has gone up, what, yes. 20% yeah. in two years. Mm-hmm. I expect the abortion rate in Illinois to nearly double yeah. from our traditional yeah, abortion rate of about 40,000. I think we're going up to 80 yeah. a year. I've heard 70. And, so, mm-hmm. and we are going to have a lot of work to do because yeah. you know every state around us is more restrictive on abortion. So there are going to be people streaming in, new abortion clinics opening up in communities across the state. We, people of life, have got to react. And, and a, a law like 1909 would have restricted our ability mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. react. But now we are free to do so, and I think we've got to step forward in faith and take that opportunity. You know, I was talking to some people the other day, and uh, and I was saying, you know, thanks to your efforts uh, that, um, hey, look, y- you should sleep well at night because because this law was was ruled, uh, at least they, we have a pr- uh, uh, an injunction on it. Um, it, it. Some sidewalk counselor, some crisis pregnancy center has been and will continue to be talking to women who are pregnant in vulnerable situations and kids will live. I mean, children will live as a result of, of, of your efforts and this judge's decision. So yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, there's going to be more abortions in Illinois and that's a tragedy. You know, we're going to go up to 70,000. But on the other hand, um, when we win these things, we do continue to persuade and to educate and to pray that life is a better alternative than what they're choosing. So, you know, we should be thankful for that, and, 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 and we are. So it's, it's, it's a big step, uh, because if we'd have lost this, it would have been a, even a bigger step backwards. So uh, i got to run. Uh, they're telling me uh, we got to close this one down. Peter, once again, thank you so much. Uh, good, good job. Uh, we, we hope they don't go on appeal, but if they do, I'm sure you'll be there. We will. We will. And you know, you can go to thomasmoresociety.org, thomasmoresociety.org, and Moore's with one O, uh, to get more updates on this and everything else going on. Please do. That's uh, Thomas Moore, like you said, with one O, uh, society.org. And please go there, and there's a lot going on, not only here in Illinois, but throughout the entire country. Peter, thanks so much. Okay. Hey, thank you, Bob. Yep, thank you. Uh, don't go away. We're right back. We're going to be talking. We're going to go back to our national focus or international focus now. We'll be talking to Ginny Ferris. She's a foreign policy advisor with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And we're talking about the food insecurity situation in Ukraine and what some of the Catholic bishops are saying about that. Don't go away. We'll be right back.